Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 23 of the Tax Security Podcast, where our panel of experts discuss all things Cisco security, including configuration, troubleshooting, new features, and hot issues being seen by the Cisco Technical Assistance Security Teams. So today, we're going to be talking about the ASA service module, brand new service module for the 6500 series chassis and um, the successor to the firewall service module, which we've talked about in a lot of previous episodes. So we're excited to bring some of the more um, technically in-depth details about the ASA service module to you today. We're going to be discussing it. But first, uh, let's introduce our panel. We've got David White Jr. How's it going? Good. Thanks, Jay. <laughs> I am Jay. <laughs> yeah. I'm not Blaine. Blaine isn't in the room. He's somewhere else over Skype. He, he's not here. Um, okay, so that's how Dave's going. He sounds tired. Uh, Magnus, how you doing? I'm tired as well, but uh, excited to be here. It's Friday. You got a big weekend plan? I do not, actually. Uh, if any of our listeners want to plan a weekend, you probably can find my email address. No, I'm... Ooh, maybe we should do that. Uh-oh. Ooh, and ex- Ooh. We should have a conference where we get all of the exactly. people together. That'd be cool. <laughs> I mean, a I'm, big I'm assuming... party. All the travel We got to pick a city. Yeah, all the travel expenses would be let's paid by it, the customers. Let's right? do it at San Diego this year. No, no, no. That'd be we, great. We got we to gotta pick a city. We're not Why don't we have the listeners write in with what city they'd like it in? What are we going to call this? We're going to call it... Tax Security Podcast Con. <laughs> yes, I like this idea. We'll go meet up. We'll have drinks somewhere. So, yeah, why not? Okay. Well, and uh, so we'll, we'll get right to work on that. Uh, Blaine, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Jay. Anything new and exciting in your world? Absolutely not. Okay. Well, it's a good thing <laughs> we've got this show, I guess, to keep our lives going. Yeah. We're, <laughs> we're, we certainly are an exciting bunch. So uh, recently we got an email from Steve from the United Kingdom, and he wrote in to say some uh, things he enjoyed about the show and also some show ideas that he had for us. So that was great, and, and we really appreciate those, and we'd like you to write us. Uh, if, when, if you're listening in the car when you get into work, write us at securityshow@cisco.com and let us know where, who you are, where you live, what you do, and uh, what you like about the show and what you'd like us to talk about in the future. So let's go ahead and get into the meat of the episode. Today we're talking about the ASA services module, and we're going to start at the very beginning with the hardware architecture of this thing. What makes it perform so well? What makes it different from the firewall services module? Or what makes it different from an ASA appliance that y- you may have in your network? So David, walk us through the hardware architecture of the thing. Sure. So the ASA service module is really based off our 5585 SSP modules. And, wh- and what are the, w- those are modules as well, but those, I, I, th- I think of those as appliances, right? Um, tell us how those fit into the network? What is an SSP? Sure. So unlike other ASAs, which are all strictly appliance-based and the motherboard is, you know, physically tied to the chassis of the box, the ASA 5585 is our first um, fully modular chassis, uh, very similar to, you know, what you would think of the Catalyst 4000, 6000, you know, 7600 type switches where, um, you know, the chassis itself is just a box with a backplane. And the modules have all the brains on them, right? So our SSP modules for the 5585 is where the ASA really is. That's where the CPU is, the memory, um, you know, the interfaces, all that stuff. Okay. So we have four different type of SSP modules, the um, SSP 10, 20, 40, and 60. And what the ASA SM is, is it's really based off the architecture of the SSP 20, but with upgraded RAM and upgraded CPUs in it. So the performance characteristics of it are closer to the SSP 40 and 60 than they are to the 20, but the internal architecture is really based off the 20. Um, and so it comes with um, 24 gigs of, uh, of RAM in it, which allows it to have 10 million 
concurrent connections. And the throughput on it is uh, around 16 gigs reward traffic through. Dave, in, a, in another way that it's very similar to, for example, you mentioned the uh, SSP20 modules. Um, you know, the architecture that we have here within the ASASM is based off of two 10 gig backplane connections. And it's very similar to like the SSP20, which as well has two 10 gig connections for its internal communication. Um, now, a lot of people like to think about the ASASM as a replacement for the FWSM, right? It's kind of the graduation beyond the FWSM. And one of the cardinal differences that you'll notice between these two is uh, really how we process traffic, right? Yeah, during our episodes where we talked about the FWSM, we mentioned FWSM does everything in hardware, right? Or at least a majority of the traffic is Hopefully processed. Hopefully it does most of it in hardware. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what it's designed to do. That's where we'd get most of its performance from was doing everything in hardware in what we call network processors, NPs. Um, you probably heard us talk about MP1, MP2, and MP3 and their different roles. Now, similar to the rest of our ASA platform, the ASA service module does all of its heavy lifting in software. Yeah, and that's a common question we're seeing from customers. The, the question is, what traffic is processed in hardware by the new ASA service module? And the answer is none of none it. None of it, yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's a really good thing in this case. It gives us a lot more flexibility from uh, a product standpoint about what we can and cannot do. I mean, we were limited very much with the FWSM because things were done in hardware, right? There are certain things we can and cannot do. Um, but when it comes time to do things in software, if we want more performance, we just throw more horsepower at it. And that's kind of where we get the, the beauty in, of something like an ASA service module is you have all the form and functionality of an ASA, but with much more power, much more power, right? So the FWSM uh, has six one gig connections to the backplane, which are bundled in a in an ether channel to the switch. So yep. that limited the a single flow's performance to one one gigabit per second. So how is how is the ASA SM different? Uh, with regard to its connectivity to the switch? Well, as opposed to having, you know, these six one gig ports th from the switch's perspective, it's very much like a line card. So the switch doesn't really necessarily see the the backplane communication uh, with the ASA. The, we have two 10 gig ports that uh, interface between the CPU of the ASA, the ASA service module, and its interface into the uh, into the chassis and we do some special sort of load balancing and bundling of those two 10 gig ports such that we can achieve much greater than one gig performance per flow like we saw with uh, the fwsm and if i'm not mistaken we're looking at maybe about what maximum flow of what 10 gigs no it's closer to like five or six gig because for any given flow it can only be processed by a single core ah. right so even though we've got 24 cores every packet in the same flow is processed by the same core. So that's where you're limited is, you know, as fast as a single core can run. So if you're used to the FWSM, uh, you've probably heard, uh, you know, heard us talk about the six one gig ports that connect an FWSM to the backplane of a 6500. Um, and if you've opened some tech cases with us on performance issues, you've seen us run commands like show ether channel summary, and you'll see that ether channel of six one gig ports for the, uh, for the FWSM. Now, with the ASA service module, it's, it's, it's different than the way we used to do it with the FWSM. Um, you know, the FWSM, we would have that ether channel of ports. With the ASA service module, it's really integrated into the fabric of the, uh, of the chassis, right? It's integrated in the fabric of the switch more so than the FWSM. Uh, you know, you won't see an ether channel built between a bunch of ports or anything like that. So there's no issue with load balancing uh, from the switch's perspective. Uh, the ASA service module integrates direct into that fabric. Now, from you know a few layers of hardware into the ASA service module, there are two uh, 10 gig connections between uh, 
what you could call our interface with the chassis and the actual CPU processing portion of the ASA service module. Uh, and those you can actually monitor as well, uh, but you'd have to do that from the service module. You can actually see them if you do the command show int detail. You'll see them listed as internal data one and internal data zero. They are the uh, two 10 gig connections that interface with what the module would call its connection to that backplane. Right, and th those same um, 10 gig ports exist on the SSPs as well, right? yeah. which is why this is closestly similar to an SSP 20 because it's got the two 10 gig ports, exactly. um, you know, connecting into the, the switch fabric on the SSP, uh, which is different from the SSP 40s and 60s, which have four 10 gig ports there. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, you know, that's one of the cardinal differences, and, you know, it, it, I mean, it's just a different way that you're going to have to monitor that sort of utilization. Yeah, and, and to help people, um, we'll put a, um, a block diagram of this up on our show notes page. Exactly. For failover, the ASA service module is going to send um, heartbeat messages down to the backplane, and the switch is going to send those back up to the uh, ASA service module, and that just lets the ASA service module know that the connectivity down to the switch and all the way back up is working okay. Um, those are going to be sent every 100 milliseconds, and then if there's five consecutive packets missed, then uh, the ASA will mark the backplane as an interface as down, and that'll trigger a, a failover event if um, if it's if the mate is deemed healthier. And you can actually see this. If you do a show failover on an ASA service module, you'll see the connection to the backplane, and it'll be either up or down. Hopefully it'll be up. So um, it, it, that's just fault tolerance and maintaining that connectivity to the backplane and, and verifying that that's up there. Right, so it's um, it's a little different, I guess, than how the FWSM did it, where, you know, the the soup can talk to the line cards right via an out of band type channel, um, and you know what we call LCP, right? We can talk to them via the LCP messages. And what we did for failover here is that you know it actually the, the soup is actually sending a message on the the data path and it comes in through the 10 gig ports it goes up through the cpu and it's processed there and that's to validate the data path on both of on both of those 10 gig ports that it's working right so that was an extra enhancement that was added that didn't exist in the fwsm whereas in the fwsm the two modules themselves had to communicate to each other via the data path but on the fwsm because of its architecture they only picked actually one of the 10 gig ports because of how it was load balanced and here we designed it so that the soup is actually validating the data path, but on all the ports. So Magnus, uh, what does this blade actually look like? Does it have, it, it sounds like it doesn't have any interfaces on the front of no. the module itself. I mean, it, it, very much like the FWSM, it's, you know, the, the front faceplate of the module is rather sparse in features and function. Um, you know, uh, there's obviously no console port on the front. I know, you know, a, a lot of tech cases uh, spawn for issues on the FWSM. Sometimes we say, hey, we need to connect to console, but you know, we'll talk about that later. There's no console port on the front of this module. Um, you know, it does have an LED for you know, different statuses of the module, but mostly it looks pretty blank and pretty sparse, uh, just like mo most other service modules. Yeah, let's talk about the console port for a while. Um, and, and the reason is because I'm really passionate about this because of all the problems we had with the FWSM where there is a console port on it. It's just internal on the FWSM and you have to pull the card out, plug the cable in, and then slide the module back in in order to access it. Yeah. Um, and and it it made a lot of had a lot of problems for customers, a lot of problems for TAC because there were times when we absolutely needed output from the console port 
and it's challenging to get, right? Yeah, the, the, and, I remember the big issue was if there was a problem and when you would pull that out, you may clear the problem that you need the console port to troubleshoot. Yeah, exactly. That was the best part. You yeah. cleared the problem and you couldn't find it. Yep, so on the ASASM, when they you know came with a design and said, you know, there's not gonna be a console on the front, I stood up and said, no, we've gotta have a console connectivity on the front, right? But there's this idea that, you know, it is a blade in the chassis and they would like all connectivity through the supervisor, right? Through the connectivity there. And so what the compromise was is there is a console port on it, but how you access it, we can access it from the soup and it will connect you directly to the asynchronous output of the console port. And that's preserved across reboots so that you can telnet session, you're really doing a session down to it, um, but it's really a, a, a telnet going to this uh, port, which then connects asynchronously to the ASASM's console port and anything that gets output to the console you see there and when the ASA reboot it still maintains its connectivity so that you can see every message starting at boot up or you know if it crashes or whatever you'll see anything output to the console so that was our compromise and um, you know it, it's very nice so I guess in that there's actually like I said two ways to connect to the ASASM one is your traditional session slot you know one proc one um, you know, just like the FWSM, and that'll, you know, session you down to it. But to actually get to the asynchronous console port, you do a service-module space session space slot and then the slot number. And, and that's how you connect to the physical console port. Yeah, I mean, that, that I, I, you know, we haven't gotten too many cases on this just yet, but, you know, I know that's going to be one of the most amazing features that we could possibly have on this for those kind of situations where we need to troubleshoot and really get onto the console, so. Yeah, and so one of the reasons you might want to get access to the console port and watch that reload is because you could interrupt the boot and uh, get into Raman mode on the ASASM. So, Blaine, tell us a difference between the firewall service module and how it would boot and how it sort of stored its images and application partitions versus the ASASM. Yeah, so if you're familiar with the doing image management and, and upgrading or re-imaging an FWSM, you're familiar with all of the partitions that are actually located on the device. And the ASA is very different from the FWSM in that we have uh, a setup very similar to the ASA appliances where you know we have this environment where we normally run our ASA image and then we have Raman. And Raman's an extremely familiar environment if, if you know iOS or you're familiar with the ASA. So in order to re-image an FWSM, you would actually tell the blade from the switch to boot into a particular partition called the maintenance partition, and then you could set all your TFTP parameters and tell the application partition to go grab a TFTP image and load it up, et cetera. Well, on the ASA-SM, it's, it's exactly like an ASA. So you're going to boot up, you interrupt the boot process, which dumps you into Raman. You configure all your TFTP parameters, and then the, the ASA, um, for lack of a better term, partition, loads up that, that image and boots the code like normal. Yeah, so it's just a ton simpler than the FWSM. And, um, it, it just is, it's, like you said, it's very familiar. It's, it, the other thing it can do is um, in the AS in the FWSM, if you had to go into the maintenance partition to um, download a new image to one of the application partitions, uh, you had to do that by TFTPing on VLAN 1, and you couldn't change it. And man, that was a pain. Right. In the lab, we, if, if we needed to change the application partition version um, by doing it from the maintenance partition, that took, it was a pain. Um, so, but on the ASASM, you can specify what VLAN you want to pull that image down uh, over via Raman, which is great. So that's another improvement. It makes our lives a little bit easier if we're messing around in the lab. So as we might have noted before, um, the ASASM no longer has the NPs or the network processors that the FWSM had. Uh, and so that's a significant advantage over 
um, a lot of the limitations that we were kind of stuck with on the FWSM, meaning the ACLs were stored in memory on MP3, and that memory we could not increase at all. We couldn't do anything with. So, you know, we were limited and fixed in the amount of ACLs that we could have. Um, the NPs also had, you know, some other limitations around how they forwarded packets um, and and how packets were processed and the ordering in which they were done via a lot of their parallel processing threads that were going on. Yeah, I remember we would get a lot of cases on, you know, ACL limits, et cetera. But uh, one thing that we always saw uh, issues with uh, initially was performance problems with the FWSM and like TCP flows because of things like reordering, but also because of our inability to support things like selective ACK in hardware. Um, you know, selective ACK, we've talked about it during our FWSM episode. Um, it's in, you know, an enhancement onto TCP where we can do, you know, slightly different ways of acknowledging packets than just the default way. And the FWSM network processor hardware just simply didn't have the functionality to operate with that in a, you know in most environments so um, you know one of the things that's nice about the ASA service module since we're doing everything in software is we can handle any kind of implementation of TCP like that or any sort of enhancement like selective ACK or other TCP options that we simply couldn't in uh, in hardware before right it wasn't the fact that the F2SM couldn't handle the selective ACK it was that when the F2SM randomized the sequence numbers yeah. because selective ACK had the the sequence number offset to say what packet to retransmit and it was randomized it couldn't do that in hardware it couldn't randomize yep. the sequence space of what was being requested um, in that selective acknowledgement so selective acknowledgements essentially became invalid yep so yep. The, the solution obviously for that to assume folks is they had to disable randomization of sequence numbers yep and uh, actually while we're on sort of the topic of uh, you know that sort of network processor difference one thing that uh, we had a lot of people have issues with back in the uh, with the FWSM was um, what we call a the replication problem or the recirculation issue and it was primarily because when the FWSM would have to handle traffic that was going out to certain kinds of VLANs or ether channel bundles, et cetera, uh, we would have to do what we call, uh, I think it was a replicate a packet. I think it was the right term for it. Yeah, it was also even for um, like multicast. Multicast traffic, yep. Um, and the FWSM itself, the hardware, did not have an ASIC or a processor that could handle doing that task. So we would have to rely on another processor on the supervisor in the chassis to do that task for us. So for that to work, it required a feature called the span reflector, which allowed the FWSM to, you know, uh, rely on the supervisor's processing power for these, you know, for these specific types of uh, traffic flows. Now, that for a lot of people, actually for everybody, consumed one of the span sessions on your switch. So, you know, that was a really big gripe that customers would have is, you know, I've got two span sessions that I can work with here. And one of them is consumed by the service module session. If you have an FWSM, you can see it. Do you know show monitor, for example? Um, because of the integration with the chassis backplane that we have with the ASA service module and the different features and uh, hardware that's on there, we don't need that span reflector functionality any longer. Uh, which means we have a little bit more liberty with what we can do with our chassis. So, Blaine, why don't you tell us a little bit about the requirements for the host switch that was gonna that, that's gonna hold this uh, ASA service module? Yeah, in regard to the chassis, you want an enhanced chassis or an e-chassis of the 6500 series, and that's required for the power and cooling requirements of the ASA-SM, so you've got to have that e-chassis. As far as supervisor, you can have a, a VS-S720-10G3C or a 3C-XL, and you want that if, you're, if you want to be able to support VSS. Otherwise, you can have a SUP723B or 3BXL. 
And on those soups, we recommend that you run the J2 image, the 12233 SXJ2. Now, you know, the question might come up is uh, how many of these ASA SMs can you can you actually put in one chassis and run independently? And the answer to that is no matter what chassis, you can run four independent ASA SMs simultaneously in that one chassis. Um, in regard to the, the slot requirements, you know, we know that historically some cards have required particular slots in these different uh, 6500 chassis, but the ASA SM can actually run in any slot of any 6500E chassis. Okay, well, I think that covers the hardware pretty well. So what about the software? What version of code does this uh, ASA service module run? Well, right now, the only thing that it runs is version 8.5. Um, you know, you can find that on our download pages. It's uh, Right now, it's the only version that's going to run on the ASASM, and it only runs on ASASMs. You can't put 8.5 on your 5585s or any other build of ASA. Um, there are also some things that are not supported quite yet with the ASA service module. Uh, one of those primary ones is uh, VPN support. Um, I think we've got it documented that it will be coming out. Uh, we just don't have it released as of yet. Um, and you know, some people may think, hey, can I try and set up a failover relationship between this ASA and maybe like an ASA 5585? No, I mean, we still have to have you know the same hardware restrictions of failover. So. Uh, obviously, if you want to do failover, you got to do two of them. Yep, and there's some big differences between the ASA service module and um, the ASA appliances. And we'll provide a link in the show notes that'll point you to a, a listing of those differences. One of the main ones is uh, on the FWSM, we supported mixed mode in multi-context, meaning that you could have some context in transparent and some context in routed mode on the same FWSM. And uh, we worked hard to make sure that the ASA SM supported um, you know, a very easy migration path from existing FWSM customers. So we do support on the 8.5 train running on the ASASM mixed mode for multi-context. Uh, we also have a thousand, we support a thousand, uh, thousand twenty-four is the maximum number of VLANs. You can have up to 256 VLANs per context. If you're in single context mode, you can only have 256 VLANs max. And we did some other things like we increased the ARP cache size on the ASASM because you are going to be uh, connected to all those different VLANs. Uh, we increased it from 32,000 ARP entries on the ASA appliance up to 64,000 on the ASASM. And uh, another thing that comes to the ASASM versus maybe even some of the rest of our ASAs, um, in order to keep that sort of feature parity with some of the FWSM features, is something called auto state. And if you're familiar with it on the FWSM platform, it's very similar to what you're going to be doing with the ASA side of things. So, you know, from a, a switch's perspective, uh, a VLAN on a switch is considered up as long as, you know, an interface, a physical interface, is also up that's in that VLAN. Uh, with the FWSM, for example, if you were passing down VLAN 100 to the FWSM, uh, that VLAN would never go down on the switch. You could unplug every port of that switch that was in VLAN 100, but since the FWSM was in VLAN 100, it would not be marked as down, and the VLAN would remain active on the switch. So how could that be a problem? Well, I mean, you, you think about uh, if you were to have an FWSM uh, like two chassis, right? Each with an FWSM in them. And, you know, they've got VLANs passed down to them. And then all the ports that are in one of those VLANs on one of the chassis just drop out for whatever reason. Um, as far as the FWSM is concerned, all, you know, that VLAN's still up, you know, but in reality, there are no ports active in that VLAN. Uh, so you could have an outage or whatever. Uh, what AutoState allows us to do is it allows the chassis to no longer count 
the FWSM, or in this case, the ASA service module as a qualifying port for to, to mark a VLAN as up. So, you know, if all you've got left is the ASA service module as the only port left in a VLAN, well, we're gonna start marking that one down. Um, and that way the VLAN will appear down to the, FW, to the uh, ASA service module, and we can make failover decisions based upon that as well. So that's one of the features that also got ported over to the ASA service module from the FWSM land. And uh, obviously that, you know, we don't see on any of our ASA appliances. Yep. And that being said, there are some features that are available on the firewall service module, but aren't available uh, on the ASA service module, such as, and the list includes uh, BGP stub routing, um, failover preemption for active standby failover, okay, and uh, DHCP relay interface specific servers, uh, and stateful failover for the UAuth table replication, but you know th those are um, pretty small features. And for the most part, you know the the great thing about the ASA service module is that it um, maintains that code base um, parity with the ASA appliances. So uh, Jay, I mean, we've talked a lot about the differences between the FWSM and the ASA service model, and we've pointed out that it's really kind of a, a graduation above the FWSM. You know, it's something for customers to move to for added performance and features. Um, you know, uh, is there anything out there that's going to make that move simple? Obviously, it's a you know a big cost change. Is there a way to reduce the administrative overhead of doing what you could dub a migration? Yeah, to, to that kind of module. Yeah, certainly. So we wanted it to be very easy for customers that had existing FWSMs to migrate that whole configuration over into the ASA service module. So we have some tools online that are available to take your config and migrate it over into a configuration that works for the ASASM. But there are some catches, and you got to understand a bit about um, the ASA service module's uh, configuration and how it's configured. So the AS version 8.5 of the ASA service module was um, sort of forked off from version 8.4 of the ASA appliance code. And what that means is you've got that new NAT configuration on the ASA service module, right? You've got um, real IP on ACLs. So there's a big difference between the configuration you're going to see on the firewall service module and the configuration that's done on the ASA service module with things like NAT and um, access list. So it's important that we you understand the process. So what you're going to do is take your FWSM configuration and save it to a file on your hard drive. We've got a migration tool that you can download off of cisco.com, and we'll provide links to that in the show notes. And basically, you download this application, you run it, you and it asks you for uh, the source file, which contains the configuration for the firewall service module, and it asks where you want the confer converted configuration to do to go on your hard drive. You hit go, and what it'll do is it'll convert over um, the configuration into something that ASA service module is appropriate for it. But also it's going to migrate some other things. It's going to maintain um, the security policy. And that's important because there's differences in the security policy between the FWSM and the ASASM. So uh, you bring up a good point. There are some cardinal differences. For example, on the FWSM platform, uh, ICMP traffic to the box, like pinging the firewall or pinging from it, is denied by default. And, uh, you know, outbound traffic is also denied by default from the FWSM's perspective. You needed an ACL to pass traffic regardless. Right. So if you've got an inside and outside interface, inside security level 100, outside security level 0, on the FWSM, you have to explicitly permit that traffic with an access list. But on the ASASM, you don't. But when you migrate the configuration from your old FWSM, we want it um, such that the network security policy is exactly the same. So the migration tool will add those extra uh, lines in the ICMP permit uh, or deny statements to maintain 
whether you could ping the interfaces of the FWSM. It'll add the uh, explicit denies to those uh, higher security level interfaces if appropriate to maintain that security policy. I think another thing that's key is that after the conversion is done for customers that actually look at the config, um, you know, we do change the configuration such that the behavior maintains the same, but we don't convert, um, say, like the NAT statements and real IP stuff. And, and people might get confused and say, hey, well, you know, the ASASM only supports that. Uh, true, but remember, it's based on the ASA code base. And so what happens is once you put that migrated config on the ASASM and do the startup config and boot it up, the ASA code itself actually does that conversion because the the conversion tool, the FWSM to ASASM migration conversion tool, converts the config into a similar to ASA 8.2 configuration, yeah. right? And so when you go to 8.3 or 8.4, obviously 8.5 in this case, this, the ASA software itself does that NAT and real IP migration. And so don't expect the tool to do that because it doesn't. Yep. So and, that's and something that. And so what to make that happen, what you're going to do is run this tool. You get your output config for the ASASM. And remember, that's in that sort of version 8.2 or lower syntax. You have to copy that over the network onto the ASASM and get it into the startup config. You can get it onto the disk zero of the ASASM and then say copy disk zero and then the file name and then destination is startup-config and when you do that and reload the module like Dave said it'll boot up and go about that config migration it'll uh, modify your NAT statements it'll convert them to the new style and at that point you'll be you'll be up and running so it's a multi-step process which will uh, will point you to all the documentation you need to to understand how to do that right but it's critical that it goes to the startup config um, because if you do it to running config it yep. won't do the conversion process um, and, and in multi-context mode uh, only the obviously the system config goes to the startup config. Uh, the context config can stay there, and when the system config boots and reads in the config, it'll do the conversion as well. Because a as it reads in the config, it looks at the old version, and if it's less, it knows when it needs to do the migration. So that's how that's done. Yeah, and it, it, that may be clear as mud for y'all, um, but we'll include links uh, on the show notes pointing you to what you need to know to give it a shot in, in your lab um, before you put your ASA service module into production. So if you've got a if you've got a production 6500, you've got your um, legacy FWSM in there, and you want to test out this migration, go ahead and uh, find a free slot that you might have. Don't pass any VLANs down with that firewall VLAN group command, and um, go ahead and put your ASASM in and go about this config migration process. Because you haven't pushed down any VLANs from the supervisor, there's no way that the ASASM could affect your traffic on your network. Um, go about the uh, config migration process and then take a look at the config, make sure that it looks okay, and then when you're ready to perform your cutover, um, you are going to need to experience a very short outage. You can pull the VLANs away that you had passed down to the FWSM and push them down to the ASASM, and then you'll just need to clear the ARP entries on layer 3 and layer 2 adjacent devices uh, that were sending traffic to the uh, FWSM. And once the ARP is cleared, ASA should take over and start passing your traffic. So if you've troubleshot on the ASA and you troubleshot on the FWSM, you know there are a lot of benefits towards troubleshooting on the ASA. There's a lot of tools available that aren't necessarily available on the FWSM. So the great thing about the ASA-SM is that there's a real feature parity with a lot of these troubleshooting tools. So you know things like packet capture, show ASP drop, packet tracer, all those other cool tools from the ASA appliance are now on the ASA-SM blade. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tax Security Podcast. Remember, you can reach out to us at securityshow at cisco.com. Send us emails there, and we'll reply back that same day, guaranteed. Uh, we have a Twitter feed at Cisco Tech Podcast, which we use occasionally, but you can send us messages that way as well. You can find the show notes for this episode as well as download other episodes at www.cisco.com slash go slash Podcast, And uh, we'll see you next episode. You can follow us on Twitter at at Tax Security Podcast. I think. At, at, nobody at, says at at. Yeah. at, you, say, at you can follow at us on the Twitter machine. Podcast. Okay. You can tweet on me if you Don't want. Don't forget about email. My preferred method okay, of communication. Okay. Dave, your Twitter. Tweet.